Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Well, you know, today is July 4th, and we are celebrating our freedom, which there are many benefits and blessings living in this country of our freedom. But you have to admit, when you pull back and look at a lot of things that have happened historically, you could say to some extent that many people in our country have wasted their freedom. We have thrown off any semblance of moral boundaries as sexual immorality is celebrated in all its debased forms. It's like we're just making new stuff up every day. We have wasted our freedoms in our past as we didn't have everyone free, did we? Slavery, racism, oppression. And we have freedom in our country to make a lot of money, to financially cash in and to live it up. But too many times we've wasted that freedom and we have a country full of vulnerable, orphan, foster kids. We've got freedom. Wouldn't you agree a lot of times that we as a country have wasted our freedom? But that's our country. What about us? What about the church? We call ourselves blood-bought by Jesus Christ. We have been free from our sins. We no longer belong to the... uh, Master of Satan, we belong to Jesus Christ. But too many times we take this freedom and we waste it. We want to dabble in our old ways and go back to our old ways. And when that happens, we need renewal, right? We need revival. And that's what we've been talking about the last several weeks, renewal and revival. And we got excited. We repented of sins. Uh, Some of you have stood and recommitted your life to Christ. And we're, we're kind of on this upswing, right? We had baptisms at the lake. It was so exciting. It's been a good last month. But we're at this point like now, like many during the time of Nehemiah, where we have a decision to make. Will we live in the freedom we have in Christ or will we waste it? Kind of the main point today is don't waste your renewal. Don't waste it. Don't waste your renewal. Don't do what these Israelites, the people of God, did in the Old Testament. I mean, when we look at the story here from Nehemiah, this book documents, remember the Israelites coming back from Babylon, free, sort of, come back, build up the walls, have this great physical restoration and spiritual renewal. They've been exiled in Babylon. Now they're back. They have freedom. They recommit themselves to the Lord. They're renewed. And a lot of them pretty much waste it. They waste their renewal, and they waste their freedom. And that brings us to these last four chapters of Nehemiah. In chapter 10, we're going to see this commitment 
a commitment that the Israelites make. They make three commitments. They, they will not intermarry. They will keep the Sabbath. And they will support the worship in the temple. They will not intermarry. They will keep the Sabbath. And they'll support the worship in the temple. Then when you come to chapter 11, it's basically describing the repopulation of Jerusalem as a variety of Jews from the outer areas move into the city. Then chapter 12 is a wall dedication ceremony. And at this point, all the way up to chapter 12, you could say that Israel is renewing the covenant. But when you come to chapter 13, they are once again breaking the covenant. Instead of renewing the covenant, they are re-breaking the covenant. You'll see in chapter 13, they intermarry, they break the Sabbath, and they don't support the work of the temple. They are wasting their freedom. They are wasting their renewal. But we'll get that to a point soon. So let's start in chapter 10. We're not going to look at it all. We can't. Not enough time. Start in chapter 10. Let's start out with a variety of names of these people committing themselves to the covenant of God. Verse 1. Now on the sealed document were the names of Nehemiah the governor, the son of Hakiah, and Zedekiah, Sariah, Azariah, Jeremiah, Pashur, Amariah, Malkijah, Hatush, Shebaniah, Maluk. And the names go on and on and on. You can see all the names there, okay? They are committing themselves to the law of God. They are all in and have made this covenant commitment. It says, jump down to verse 29. Can you do that? Jump to verse 29, chapter 10. They're made this commitment and they are joining with their kinsmen, their nobles, and are taking on themselves a curse and an oath to walk in God's law which was given through Moses, God's servant, and to keep and to observe all the commandments of God, of God our Lord and his ordinances and his statutes. So they're saying, we're all in. We're going to follow our forefathers. They were messed up. We're not. We're in. And they make these three commitments, all right? They, they commit to follow the whole law, but they have these three specific commitments, and we're going to start with the first one. Number one, no intermarriage. Look at verse 30 of chapter 10. Verse 30 says, and that we will not give our daughters to the peoples of the land or take their daughters for our sons. This is not an ethnic issue, but a religious issue. The intermarriage violated the word of God and threatened to lead the people astray. It's not talking about those who convert to Judaism, but they are not to marry unbelievers. They are not to marry pagans. They marry pagans, they become synchristic, they start mixing their religion with theirs, and they fall away from the Lord. And you know what's interesting? I, mean, I, I've, I come from a church that was mainly college students to here, and the, one of the biggest number one problem is that they, uh, many of the Christians had no problem dating unbelievers. And then many of the Christians had no problem getting engaged to unbelievers. And then they would come and talk to me in my office. We love each other. It's love can conquer all. It doesn't matter. And I'm like, no, don't marry unbelievers. We want love them. We want to say, see them saved. But no missionary dating, all right? And then I come to the village. And people in the village date. They do a lot. And sometimes they date unbelievers, the same that held for college students holds for you too. Don't play games. 
We guess we love them. Yes, we want them to see Jesus, but no missionary dating even among you. So there's no intermarriage. And the people back then, they're going, we're all in. We're not going to do it. We will not marry the pagans of the land. We'll stay separate. Oh, we're good. All right. Let's see that. Renewal number two. They're going to keep the Sabbath. Look at verse 31. Verse 31 of chapter 10. As for the peoples of the land who bring wares of any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on any holy day, and we will forego the crops of the seventh year and every debt. So what they're saying is that we are not going to work on the Sabbath. In fact, we're not even going to buy from the pagans on the Sabbath. They may work, we won't buy, because we are going to rest. Why? We are a distinct people, and God has called us to be distinct in observing the Sabbath. Now, for believers who have their final rest in Jesus Christ, there is still this distinction that we have of worship, where we set apart a day to worship the Lord. And the Jews, they found delight in the Sabbath, How much more for us who have found our rest in Jesus? Well, let's see if the Jews keep the Sabbath. We'll come back to that. Renewal number three, they're going to support the temple worship. Look at verse 37. Verse 37. It says, we also bring the first fruits of our dough, our contributions, the fruits of every tree, the new wine, the oil, to the priests and the chambers of the house of our God and the tithe of our ground to the Levites. For the Levites are they who receive the tithes in the rural town. Basically, they're saying, we are going to support the pastors. We're going to give them food. We're going to give them grains. We're going to give finances because we need the worship of our Lord to continue in the temple. We're all in. We're going to support the temple work financially. So what's going on here? The people are renewal and recommitting themselves to the covenant. It's all good. Because there's times where you pull back and you go, I don't like what's going on with my life. I'm going to renew myself and recommit myself to the Lord. Some of you have grown up in churches where uh, maybe you've heard the terminology, a second work of grace. Maybe you've heard the terminology like baptism of the Holy Spirit or a filling of the Holy Spirit. It's where these experiences happen where you recommit yourself to the Lord I was once sitting around with a group of of pastors who were interrogating me theologically, and they really wanted me to believe in something called a second work of grace. Like after conversion, you have this huge experience of a second work of grace. And I said, my brothers, I believe in a second work of grace. And a third, and a fourth, and a fifth, and a sixth, and on and on and on and on. Because we can continue to grow in our relationship with the Lord. We can continue to repent of sin, be, be it's filled with the Spirit, and throw off sin, and fall more and more in love with Jesus Christ. So that's a continuing work in our life. And I want you to think back to a time in your life. Just think back to a time in your life where you were growing in the Lord, you were sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and you were engaged in kingdom work. Can you think back to a time in your life where you were growing like crazy? And you were so sensitive to the Holy Spirit and and you were doing the work of God. So think back to that time, all right? You got that? Maybe it was during your high school years, your college years or, or midlife. Well, I just want you to know that once you hit retirement, you get a pass. You get a pass from growing in the Lord. It's no big deal if you're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And you have earned your right to sit on the sidelines of kingdom work. He is saying what you're thinking, yeah? 
honesty. And to all that I say, and if you want to take any notes this morning, let this be the only note you take, don't waste your retirement. Don't waste it. You have a lot of freedom right now. This is some of the most unencumbered years of your life. Do not waste this freedom. Do not waste your retirement. And as we look at the Israelites, we say, wow, things are going great. You got the walls. You got the temple up. You made all these great commitments. Will you waste your renewal? Spoiler alert, they will. Let's look at chapter 13. Go ahead and turn to chapter 13. So we start with intermarriage, the rebreaking of the number one intermarriage. Start with verse 23. Chapter 13, verse 23. Here we go. In those days, I saw that the Jews had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. As for their children, half spoke in the language of Ashdod, and none of them was able to speak the language of Judah, but the language of his own people. So it looks like a good amount of time has passed since the renewal in chapter 10, and now the Israelites are breaking the command not to intermarry over and over again. Basically, they're wasting their renewal. They're intermarrying with those who are not believers, and they're having kids, and the kids can't even speak the language of Judah. But there are greater problems. Look what Nehemiah does in verse 25, and I'm going to start doing this next week. So read verse 25. So I contended with them and cursed them and struck some of them and pulled out their hair and made them swear by God. You shall not give your daughters to their sons nor take any of their daughters for your sons or for yourself. How about that? He's, he's, he's cursing at them. Not, not our cussing, but he's cursing at them, pulling out their hair and made them swear to stop their intermarriage. And you may think, that's, that's an overreaction, but it's not. It's not an overreaction. You know why? Do you remember? Okay, um, there's trivia here. Who is the second wisest person to ever live? Solomon. Great books. You know, you read a lot of his Proverbs. He was so wise. His downfall was intermarriage. He started marrying pagan women, many of them. And when we see Solomon in the historical books, he's bowing down, worshiping other gods. Nehemiah's like, you see what happened to Solomon? That's going to happen to you. And Nehemiah says, we got we to, gotta, you got to separate here. There's got to be a separation. You got you to break this off. And, and for them during this time, it meant that they had to send their wives away. They had to. Because if, if they intermingled, they could not, eventually not exist as a people. Now, now for you, in, in our time, you say, well, okay, so if I'm married to an unbeliever, does that mean that I need to get a divorce? No, no, no. Because the Apostle Paul is, is very clear that if you're married to an unbeliever, you stay married to the unbeliever. Perhaps God would save them. But the whole point of the passage for us is the idea of separation. 
We're not to go out and be among those who are going to lead us astray. We, we are to separate ourselves from sin. And for some of you, you may go, say, really? I want you to just lay it out to me. What does it mean to separate myself from sin? What does it mean to repent? So I'm going to give it to you straight. This is what it looks like. All right, this is, so here's what, here it is. So you're following after sin. You're following, you're following. And then you repent. Now, for those of you who are, come from certain traditions, I'm not going to say which one, where repentance simply means confessing. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't be doing this. And then you keep falling after sin. Mm, that's not biblical confession. That's not biblical repentance. Are you with me? So this is biblical repentance. You're falling after sin. You repent. You confess. Lord, I do not want to go this way. And then you turn around and go the other way. You got it? That, they see the turning? That's repentance. doesn't mean that you won't ever sin or fall again into foolishness, but you're saying that is evil, that is wicked. I'm going to separate myself, and I'm going to follow you, Lord. That's repentance. That's separation. And, and that's what he's calling for here. And for those of you who want to continue to walk with the Lord, be renewed, be revived, you, you've got to separate yourself from sin, to turn, to repent, go the other direction. Well, look at the second issue that he, that he brings up. Look at the second issue. It's desecrating the Sabbath. Let's look at verses 15 through 18. Desecrating the Sabbath. In those days I saw in Judah some who were treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing sacks of grain and loading them on donkeys as well as wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads, and they brought them into Jerusalem on the Sabbath. So I admonished them on the day they sold food. Also men of Tyre were living there who imported fish and all kinds of merchandise and sold them to the sons of Judah on the Sabbath, even on Jerusalem, even in Jerusalem. Then I reprimanded the nobles of Judah and said to them, what is this evil thing you are doing by profaning the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers do the same so that our God brought on us, on this city, all this trouble? Yet you are adding to the wrath of Israel by profaning the Sabbath." <laughs> Once again, some time has passed here, and now they are re-breaking the Sabbath. They are allowing commerce to happen within the city. The outside nations are bringing in food and drink, and they're selling freely on the Sabbath. And Nehemiah is losing his mind, because the Sabbath day is what shows a distinction for the people of Israel. And Once again, they're mixing and blurring. This reminded me when I was in Israel, on the Sabbath, we would be staying at these hotels and these very devout Jews would be eating in their restaurants with us, being served by Gentiles. So their compromise would be, hey, we're taking it easy on the Sabbath. The Gentiles are the ones working. Nehemiah would have lost his mind. Because that's what's going on here. Nehemiah is like, you guys are trying to find loopholes in order to go back to your sin. And Nehemiah wants to cut off all loopholes. He wants to keep the people even out of the city. Some of the, some of the guys from other nations were sleeping at the gates just to get in. He's like, if you don't get out of here, I'm going to get you. Because the people of Israel were trying to create loopholes go back dabbling in their old ways. It's like, it's like they were going after sin. 
they repented, they separated from sin, and then they thought to themselves, hmm, isn't there kind of a loophole where I can go back and just dabble in it occasionally? I mean, how many of you love loopholes, right? Yeah, you love them. Yeah, you're like, yeah, that's kind of what I do. I know, it's kind of what I do too. You rationalize your sin. You try to make excuses for your sin. And sometimes some people will go to certain churches because they can affirm their sin. But my brothers and sisters, there are no loopholes. And if you keep dabbling back, dabbling back, dabbling back, it will be to your harm. Now, the last area, (laughs) so they're not separating. They're going back through loopholes. The last area is the failure to support the temple. Remember, they were going to pay the pastors. They were going to pay the priests, let the work go on. But you know what started to happen? The priests weren't getting paid. The Levites weren't getting paid. So they had to leave the city to go find work. Not only were they not supporting the temple workers, the Levites, they had to leave the city to find work, but you're you're not going to believe what actually happened. This is what happens in the Bible here. You're just like, I cannot believe that happened. Rather than explain it to you, I'm going to let you just read it. So let's look at four through eight of chapter 13. What Nehemiah is going to lose his mind over this for sure. Look at verse four of chapter 13. Oh man, I can't believe this happened. Now, prior to this, Eliashib, the priest, who was appointed over the chambers of the house of our God, being related to Tobiah, had prepared a large room for him where formerly they put the grain offerings, the frankincense, the utensils, and the tithes of the grain, wine and oil prescribed for the Levites, the singers and the gatekeepers, and the contributions for the priests." But during all the time I was not in Jerusalem, for in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had gone to the king. After some time, however, I asked leave from the king. And I came to Jerusalem and learned about all the evil that Elisha had done for Tobiah by preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God. It was very displeasing to me, so I threw all of Tobiah's household goods out of the room. Then I gave an order, and they cleansed the rooms, and I returned there the utensils of the house of God with the grain offerings and the frankincense. Now, you think, well, what's the deal? Here's the deal. Tobiah, huge enemy of Nehemiah, right? Nehemiah goes back to Babylon to help Artaxerxes, all right? And while he's gone, a priest who's related to Tobiah says, you know what? Let's throw all this stuff out that we use to worship God all the utensils and stuff and for the sacrifices. And let's move my buddy, my friend, my relative, Tobiah, let's move all his stuff into that room. Are you getting this here? So instead of worshiping the Lord, they are allowing this wonderful room in the temple to be used as a storage locker for the enemy. Yeah, here, you can use my, this is a, I mean, can you imagine this conversation? Yeah, I got to store all my stuff. Where should I store it at? Is there a place outside the village I can lock it up at? And he's like, no, 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 no. Bring it in the temple. We put all this stuff. And Nehemiah gets back. He's like, are you serious? And he's like an angry landlord. He just throws everything out, kicks him out of the temple, cleanses the room. And you think about this. 
You think about, okay, I'm walking towards sin. I need to separate. I need to repent. But sometimes I try loopholes to go back. But what you need to do instead is like, I need to be worshiping the Lord. I need to be worshiping the Lord with the people of God. So there's separation, there's no loopholes, and worship must have a priority. And so here's something that I could practically ask you the question, all right? What things have you moved into the house of God besides worship? What things have you moved into the house of God besides worship? And just get for real here. In other words, what have you put in place of showing up here on Sunday morning? We get here, we, we worship, but what have you put in place of showing up and worship in the Lord? Perhaps it's convenience. I know the pandemic, safety, it was wise to stay home. But I wonder if some people are like, you know, it's nice to be in my PJs at home. So convenience is, is in the place of corporate worship. Or, or maybe you said, you know, I, I kind of like playing certain sports on Sunday morning. I don't know which ones those are, but certain sports on Sunday morning instead of worshiping with the people of God. And so I ask you this question. Back in the day when you were growing in the Lord, when you were sensitive to the Holy Spirit and you were engaged in kingdom work, would you have so flippantly missed corporate worship? Back in the day when you were on fire for Jesus, would you have so flippantly disregarded the worship of the Lord. Because my brothers and sisters, separation, no loopholes, must be replaced with worship of the Lord. And I'm not saying that you can't still have your private quiet time on the mountain or by the lake, that's great. But there is something about corporate worship, what we're doing right now, in the word together, in the lives of one another, singing praise to our God, is essential for your growth in the Lord. And I want to say, my brothers and sisters, even in retirement, don't waste it. Don't waste it. No matter what is going on in our country, no matter what is going on in your life, your greatest enemy is not what's going on in the country. Your greatest enemy is not the problems in your life. Your greatest enemy and the biggest problem in your life is you. I have far more problems with me than anything else. And to be honest with you, I'm the only one that can waste my renewal. I'm the only one that can waste my freedom in Christ. Persecution can come, countries can crumble, circumstances can be ratcheted up, but I'm the only one who can waste my freedom. You know, last week I shared with you I had uh, one of the worst weeks of my life, and some of you asked me, was this week better than last week? And I said, no, this week was worse. You ever have that? The worst week ever. Next week's worse. And you know when bad things happen in your life, you try to say, you know what, I can find loopholes to go back to some of my old sins to find comfort. Right? You're like, well, you know, things are hard. People would understand if I slip a bit and go back to some of my old sins. My brothers and sisters, only you can waste your freedom. Only you can waste your renewal. Nehemiah did everything he could possibly do. He pulled out their hair. 
he beat them up. He beat them up. I like that. The elders, we need to start bulking up. We, <laughs> you're cursing at them. And yet, the book ends, and they wasted their freedom. They wasted their renewal. And I think, you know what? We need someone like Nehemiah to help us. In fact, we need someone greater than Nehemiah to help us. 400 years of silence, that one comes on the scene, Jesus Christ. And he comes to people who've wasted their freedom, wasted their renewal, and he comes and he dies for them. That would be us. He took the penalty that we deserve on the cross in order to give us freedom from sin and bondage and Satan. We have no greater freedom than the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. And my brothers and sisters, if you have wasted your freedom, wasted your renewal, or have been wasting your retirement, there is forgiveness in the cross. There is forgiveness in Jesus. There is forgiveness in one who sees where we're going, sees when we turn around from sin, sees that we want to dabble and we want to create all these loopholes, sees when we fail to worship him, and yet he's there to forgive us and give grace to all sinners who repent. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.